You're listening to episode number 55 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today, we're chatting about the unknown health imbalances that cause problems but aren't resolved by common medicine, why your hormones get worse on keto before they get better, how your perfume is making you fat or at least having you hit a weight plateau over and over every day, the effect of constant dieting, and more. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from healthfulpursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. I've spent the last four months completely redoing my best-selling ketogenic program, The Keto Bundle. The Keto Bundle combines my two digital programs, The Keto Beginning and Fat Fueled, to provide you with clear step-by-step how-to on successfully adapting to a ketogenic diet avoiding common ketogenic struggles, and healing your body fully and completely with a ketogenic diet. And now it's even bigger and richer with 65 additional pages, beautifully designed graphics, fully re-edited text, and a whole new easy-to-use format. Some of the updates include... Boosted content for supporting beginners on overcoming challenges while adapting, including how to cut out grains, reduce carbohydrates, and ditching sugar for good. Guides on how to take action for gradual change when you're not motivated. Support for adapting to keto when there are digestive issues. Expanded chapter on healing your imbalances with keto from autoimmunity, adrenal dysfunction, neurological health, hormones, thyroid, candida, and so much more. A six-week and seven-day practice to body positivity and intuitive eating practices made to help you connect to your body. Metric and standard weights for all meal plans, shopping lists, and recipe ingredients, as well as facts and outlines on current events affecting the ketogenic community. Community and so much more. Head to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash bundle to get the keto bundle for 10% off with the coupon code podcast at checkout. This offer is only available to podcast listeners and will expire on October 31st. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com forward slash bundle and the coupon code podcast for 10% off. Hey guys, happy Sunday. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast slash E55. In those show notes, we will have links to the supplements that we chatted about and additional episodes you can listen to if you enjoyed today's podcast. The transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. So again, the show notes are at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E55. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. The show is partnered with Goodies, low-carb keto baking mixes. Goodies makes muffin, blondie, chocolate brownie, chocolate chip cookie, and double chocolate chip cookie mixes completely free of sugar, sweetened with stevia. They're nut-free, gluten-free, and perfectly keto. Instead of the regular almond or coconut flour, their mixes are made with ground sunflower seeds. I know, it's crazy, and it's so good. Use the coupon code KETO, all in caps, no spaces, for 20% off your order at healthfulpursuit.com slash mix. Unsure of the link? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. If you have an idea for a podcast episode or you want to submit praise over and above the review, which you can leave by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review, you can reach me at info at ketodietpodcast.com. Those reviews are like gold to our podcast. Anytime you submit a review, more people will find the show, more people will be benefited from keto and everyone wins. We have one announcement today, and that is that I recently relaunched my program, The Keto Bundle, and it's better than ever. I spent the entire summer and a lot of the fall redoing, completely rewriting my two best-selling programs, The Keto Beginning and Fat Fueled. They're completely redesigned, a bunch of new content, completely rewritten, and I'm really excited to share it with you. As you heard in the intro for today's podcast, I am offering you all 10% off the Keto Bundle from now through to October 31st, 2017 with the coupon code podcast at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash bundle. 
So when you go to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash bundle and you enter in that 10% coupon code, you're going to receive the Keto Beginning and Fat Fuel, two of my programs bundled together to give you a total saving of over 30%. So that's a complete win. Today's podcast guest, her name is Allie Miller. She's an integrative functional medicine practitioner with a background in naturopathic medicine. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, certified diabetes educator, certified weight management specialist, recognized leader, speaker, educator, and advocate in her field while maintaining a full-time clinic naturally nourished. Allie has a passion to create awareness regarding the significant role diet plays in our overall health and believes everything we put in our body can contribute toward optimal health or her food as medicine philosophy is supported by up-to-date scientific research for a functional millions through media with weekly television segments, corporate outreach, and within the medical community. Ali is just the coolest human. I can't wait to share her work with you. Definitely head on over to her website, AllieMillerRD.com. She is so wonderful at explaining things on a level that we can all understand and also encouraging us to listen to our bodies and just be kinder humans to ourselves. So without further ado, let's cut over to the interview. Hey, Allie, what's up? Hey, Leanne, I am pumped to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm so stoked to have you here. We met at KetoCon a couple of, oh my gosh, is that a couple of months ago already? I don't even know. It was a while ago. You were cool, really knowledgeable, and I wanted to have you on the podcast, and here you are. Here I am, manifestation. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) For listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what you do? Sure, sure. So I am a registered dietitian that uses real food and food as medicine. And my background is in functional integrative medicine. So I went to a naturopathic college of medicine, Bestier University. And I determined from a mentor when I was going through the process of becoming a recovering vegan and all of the fun stuff (laughs) that many of us have done, I determined that I wanted to go the RD route instead of the ND route. So I could kind of put one foot on each bank of the river. So I practice more integrative functional medicine, but I'm able to speak to the conventional allopathic field and world as well. Mm, I love that. And would, would you say with your work that because you're seeing both sides that you can really be a detective in what bodies are saying and what things mean? Yeah. So that's like one of my favorite ways of describing what I do is that I'm a detective of the body. And really what I mean by that, well, first off, I guess, functional integrative medicine for those that aren't familiar, I like to describe it as like an iceberg, right? So above the surface is where your doctor diagnoses your diabetes, your cancer, your rheumatoid arthritis, and you know, whatever the disease diagnostic is. But under the surface is the root cause of all the chronic conditions. And so underlying mechanisms of things like hormonal imbalance or toxicity or micronutritional deficiencies or inflammatory processes. These are what drive the condition and then be as a detective of the body. What I get to do, which is so fun with each individual client is determine what is their Achilles heel? Like what was the chicken and egg relationship or the antecedent or triggering event that drove the dysfunction. So, you know, even if we're looking at inflammation, someone can present with inflammation because of leaky gut, right? But where did the leaky gut come from? It could have even stemmed all the way back from cortisol and HPA access, like adrenal imbalance, right? And cortisol maybe in the beginning was high. And so this person had a lot of anti-inflammatory hit, but then over time, like the fly on the wall, as they progress into adrenal fatigue, their cortisol drops down and they don't have any of that natural anti-inflammatory hormone. And now they're dealing with chronic inflammation. And so, So, you know, we may be able to do a gut restoration protocol, but until we heal and address the adrenals, we're not doing that person's body, the root cause treatment modality. Which is so exciting and so cool, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, because like even in natural medicine, I think any medicine can get sexy, you know? And so it's like, I can't tell you how many clients come to me that are like, oh, I'm doing a gut protocol. I'm doing a gut protocol. And that's great again, but it's like, it's just an algorithm if it's just an algorithm. And so we have to make things individualized and speak to each individual's level of dysfunction and their driving causes of dysfunction beyond just regulating the dysfunction itself. Yeah. And 
that work is so necessary, <laughs> like massively <laughs> necessary, as I'm sure you know. But I think oftentimes we just look and the analogy of the iceberg is so perfect. We just look at what's on top of the water and we rarely go deeper into like what caused this problem. So sure, looking sure. at the entire iceberg, where does keto fall into that? Yeah. So I pair the ketogenic diet. I've been practicing ketosis uh, therapeutically with my clinic uh, since, let's see, goodness gracious, what year are we in? 2009. And so the ketosis diet being any any high fat, low carb diet um, is going to help with hormonal imbalance. So things like PCOS, often when we're talking about PCOS, there is a stress hormone influence, but there's also a very significant insulin response. And that's why a lot of doctors in the fertility world will preemptively put a patient on metformin, right? Or a medication that's a diabetic medication to try to help with the insulin resistance. But keto diet can absolutely do that on its own. We can also see in that same scenario with like PCOS, the keto diet will bring down elevated DHEA because DHEA is a metabolite of building ketones. So another therapeutic mechanism or tool. I use ketosis in practice for SIBO and dysbiosis. So anytime we're looking to reduce overactive bacteria in the body, I always bring patients below 60 grams and then we'll often take them deeper into a ketogenic protocol. And then most definitely I use ketosis as an adjuvant with any client going through cancer treatment as well as neurological disease. So if we're talking about Parkinson's or MS or dementia, it's a really powerful tool to get the higher fat therapeutic foods as the primary nourishment. Very awesome. Very awesome. And when we think of you know, the entire iceberg, I'm going to use, I'm probably going to use this analogy for the entire show because it's so perfect. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love it. So when we're thinking of you know, we get diagnosed with, say, our doctor says, you're going to get diabetes, you got to do something quick. That's yeah. above the water. And so we're dealing with the stuff above the water. But what are some symptoms of these nutrient deficiencies and these problems before our doctor says you're going to get diabetes if you don't yeah, change something. Yeah. Yeah. So I also like this term of like, I practice, I call it upstream versus downstream medicine. And so it's this idea that how can I find a clinical trend or web, if you will, of overlap where micronutrients play a role. And so, you know, anything from, well, let's just make up a patient, uh, Betty, or what do we, who do we want to call our patient? Betty, <laughs> Betty. Yes, Betty. Okay, so okay, cool. Betty. Okay, Betty. So Betty has like, okay, hair loss would be a big symptom of a nutrient deficiency. Insomnia, which let's say Betty's a 42-year-old female, okay? And so she has hair loss. She thinks, oh, it's probably just premenopausal stuff. She's dealing with some insomnia, some anxiety, but maybe that's just normal. All Half of her friends are on antidepressants anyway, you know? And she's starting to get prediabetes and has elevated blood pressure and her cholesterol is off. That's like, you know, most people in their mid forties. And so when I'm looking at nutrients, actually all of those symptoms could be tied to a trend of something like biotin. So biotin deficiency can play a huge role with hair thinning. It can drive the sleeplessness and it can drive anxiety. And then biotin plays a role with your insulin receptors. So when biotin is too low, you're not able to bring the glucose into your cells. So you're going to have elevated blood sugar and that also throws up your blood pressure. So Betty could be on like seven medications or she could take a quality biotin supplement and eat egg yolks and stop eating only egg whites. <laughs> and she could just be rocked, you know, upstream and then maybe even prevent things before they've reared as a deficiency. Oh, you make it sound so simple, right? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone needs to be as smart as Allie and then we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is something quite magical when you look at that upstream piece. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so you can start with like the therapeutic elements of a whole food diet, of course. So we get a lot of nutritional density in our biological forms of foods, which is, you know, animal products. And then taking that a step further, we get 
the most nourishing components from those that are least processed in their whole food form, of course. But then there is strategy when we're looking at actually treating a symptom or something that's jumping out to maybe use a process of more what I call orthomolecular therapy, which is higher doses of nutrients, you know, to actually get you above the water and then maintain with diet strategy. I can say that orthomolecular works while you need to get over things. Like I took mega doses of certain nutrients and things um, until I was balanced out and it helped momentously until it didn't help anymore because I had kind of balanced out and then it was ready for the next doctor. But it was very, very helpful while I needed it. More on my interview with Allie Miller after this message from one of our podcast partners. If you're not familiar with Paleo Valley, they make two of my very favorite things. The first, 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef sticks. Each stick contains 1 billion probiotic CFUs to benefit the health of your gut and the strength of your immune system. Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical, additive dye, and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar and made with the highest quality ingredients. The second, a whole food-based, ultra-primal, super-nourishing organ complex. It's a mega-nutrient-dense super supplement. The nutrients in just one daily dose read like the best multivitamin out there, and it's a whole food. Vitamins A, B2, B3, B5, B6, B9, B12, CoQ10, folic acid, iron, selenium, phosphorus, and zinc, copper, omega-3 fatty acids, DHEA, and EPA, phosphorus, the list goes on. Organ Complex is a combination of beef liver, heart, brain, and kidney, all sourced from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef organs, which are non-GMO and never given antibiotics, steroids, hormones, or grain. The capsules are 100% pure with no fillers or flow agents, gluten, grain, soy, or dairy. Now you can shop all things Paleo Valley, load up your cart, and apply a super sweet coupon code on everything in your cart. Take advantage of this offer by going to paleovalley.com slash keto20, fill up your cart and enter the coupon code keto20, that's K-E-T-O-2-0 at checkout to apply a 20% off discount on your entire purchase. Unsure of the link? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. So what are the roles, what is the role rather of food intolerances in these sorts of treatments? Because say Betty, you know, her hair is falling out, things are happening. When do you start looking at food as being needing to be changed because it's actually affecting a human? Yeah. So in my intake, when I'm like in that detective role, I spend 90 minutes with a client in my first consultation. And during that time, I probably spend 15 to 20 minutes, depending on how much action there is, just talking about digestion. And I mean, I ask questions like, if we're talking about distension and bloating, uh, does it progress throughout the day or would it be intermittent? Because that's going to help me to rule out if the bloating progresses throughout the day, that's probably your belly trying to brew beer or bake bread, right? And so there's this actual fermentation that as you eat, your biome or bacteria eats what you've been eating and you get that uh, methane and carbon dioxide release. But bloating can also be a symptom of a food intolerance and that's more when it's irregular. And that's often because there's like an osmotic or water flushing. So, I mean, it could be Susie or Betty, whoever, right? Someone has an intolerance to lettuce. And I've seen this clinically when I'm looking at food inflammatory panels, uh, people can be having reactions to otherwise superfoods, right? So someone's superfood is someone else's kryptonite. And one of the symptoms we can see is irregular bloating, like where they call it like a food baby and they just get this significant swelling. And that's because their immune system is perceiving that antigen or that compound as a foreign invader and it's responding with flushing effect. And so it's throwing water or inflammation at the otherwise injury to try to get that out of the body, just like with high pollen and histamine release, you would have mucus, you know, this is a different mechanism of the body trying to push something out. And that means beyond bloating, you could also have like bowel urgency or diarrhea. 
or on the other end of the spectrum, they could have constipation. So there's GI stuff as far as food tolerances. And then there's stuff way beyond digestion, like inflammation, of course. So like joint pain, a lot of people as they clean up their diet will know when they ate something off plan, like if they have residual gluten or wheat in a sauce of a dish, because they'll have like their uh, index finger will have inflammation or their knee or just really what seems minute reactivity can be a big symptom, especially as you've cleaned up your diet. So inflammatory processes that are structural, also like muscle aches can be a symptom, dermatological flares. And then I think the one kind of big one is stubborn metabolism. So people that are doing everything perfect, their stress is managed, they're sleeping, everything else is good, but they're not losing weight. Um, you know, if you imagine like you bump your elbow on the wall or on a table or something, right? You're going to get swelling in that area. And so the cardinal sins of inflammation are heat or, you know, temperature. And that's a part of the healing process, fluid retention, pain, um, and swelling. And so if the body is chronically swelled or in holding this water, it's not going to be optimized for catabolism or breakdown. It's in this anabolic protective mode. So that's where someone that has an inflammatory response to salmon or lettuce and is eating those foods daily may get hindered metabolism. So maybe not GI, maybe not joint pain, maybe not skin, but it's just their stubborn weight loss, which is a symptom of food intolerance. Mm, it's so cool that you've mentioned the inflamed index finger because I started getting that probably about a year ago and really? anytime I, yeah it's the coolest thing I call it my superpower finger and <laughs> when we go out to eat specifically because when I'm making food at home it never happens but when we go out to eat and I've asked them like what oils do you use how do you make stuff and then they give me food and I have a reaction and it's my finger that hurts I'm like you lied to me <laughs> yeah. Well, I always like tell people that what's really cool with functional medicine and, and kind of empowering yourself with your connection with your body is when you go from like mediocre to shitty, it's not a big step. I don't know if I'm allowed. Am I allowed to say shitty? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just said it. Um, but you know, when you go from mediocre to shitty, it's like, okay. But when you go from feeling vibrant or excellent to shitty, you can feel it. <laughs> I mean, it's like hell, it yells at you. Yeah. So inflammation, we often like are just dragged by the bumper of the vehicle of our body throughout life. And just this is normal aging, but that's not how it has to be. And would you say that there are any like go to quick fixes for people that are maybe experiencing, I don't know, let's say headaches or heartburn or nausea? Or would you say it's more of an individualized approach because that headache could be because you had refined oils or it could be because you're sensitive to eggs or like there's so many pieces to everything? Yeah, I mean, it could be progesterone related. I mean, there, there's such a hormonal connection with headaches for sure, especially. I mean, my big thing I think of with just headaches is, is it cyclical? So does it follow hormones? And then I look for, yes, inflammatory food trends because that's, that's what it is. It's intracranial inflammation. So it's inflammation in your head. And I just have to throw those fancy polysyllabic words every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> right? she loves those. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, it's just, it's inflammation in your head. And so you can bring in anti-inflammatories like good quality uh, turmeric, uh, a good EPA, DHA, omega-3 supplement can be very helpful, as can like a form of magnesium glycinate. So there's a gamut of nutritional therapeutics that can help to reduce inflammation inflammation can be vasodilators or relax the vessels, which with tension drive a headache, but then it could otherwise be the hormonal thing. And that's where I would be kind of digging within the individual of what are the other trends and, and where, where do you want to start to jump into the rabbit hole? And that's where it is helpful to have a clinical expert on your side, because, you know, if you take 25 supplements and only three work, you're just really making expensive urine. And so that's not a good thing either. Yeah, I think the first question, what you're saying is ask yourself, is it on a cycle? Like, you know, yeah. day five, six and seven of my cycle, I'm having a headache. Well, that yeah. might be hormonal and maybe just tracking everything so that when they do see a practitioner such as yourself, that practitioner has an idea of, oh, you know, she's getting a headache here. Here's what she's eating and kind of piecing things together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, then you can work with therapeutics to blunt hormonal influence or to help with the deficiencies. They may need short time use of a bioidentical therapy and, and that might be the tool. But that's definitely something that would require advanced testing to get baseline data. 
So let's hone in on hormones because it's like the number one thing that people always ask about and that I think there's the most confusion about. A lot of people that are in our community think that in order to lose weight or feel better, they just need to lose the weight to feel better and that they just need to eat less in order to lose the weight to feel better. And nine times out of 10, that's usually not the approach that they need to take. And there's probably something hormonally or something else going on. I'm sure you see that in your practice too, of like, it's not about the calories. There's so much more going on underneath that iceberg. Can we chat a little bit about how maybe the issues that come up with hormone imbalancing and why food as medicine is helpful for that? Yeah. So I guess with hormones, there can be foods that drive hormonal influence. So the biggest first thing I think to talk about with hormones and food is endocrine disruptors. So there's endocrine disrupting chemicals as an additive. Well, beyond foods, it's it's in our perfumes and scents, it's in our plastics, but it is in a lot of food ingredients. And so Cleaning up the diet and getting to single-ingredient, hormone-free and antibiotic-free proteins and single-ingredient whole foods, which means no processed products, of course, that's going to help to eliminate a lot of the endocrine disruptors, which are in the diet. And so those like phthalates and those types of compounds, they can work more potent than a hormone, they can work less potent than a hormone, or they can work completely different than the hormone is supposed to work, but yet they dock with those receptors. And so that's why a lot of us have hypothyroidism or estrogen dominance and things like that because of those endocrine disruptors. So I would say the first thing to do is start with a foundational clean diet and then taking it a step further and actually upregulating your body's detox processes is another huge piece of the puzzle because you don't just, you know, remove the exposure, you have to then clean up the gunk. And we store a lot of our hormone related compounds in our body fat. And that's actually why sometimes with keto hormones can get a little bit funky before it gets better, because we're breaking down fat at such a rapid rate, right? And so like when you're using fat as fuel, you're actually upregulating the release of a lot of the not only endocrine disrupting compounds, but just toxins that were stored somewhat what your body thought safe in the fat, you know, and now you're starting to like shake the tree and activate a lot of this. And so it's important to actually support both phase one and phase two of your detox processes in your body. Are there other ways that people can detoxify like near infrared sauna, I'm guessing would be a good one. Are there other things that people can do to kind of shake that tree and get things out of there? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like once you start to lose body fat, you're swimming in more toxins. And so you need to upregulate your liver and kidney function. And so there's actually two biochemical processes of detox. One is the activation of toxins. So this is kind of like awakening those that were dormant and stored. And so it requires a process called hydroxylation, but a lot of nutrients that we look at is antioxidants and sulfur compounds. So we're talking about things like turmeric. We're talking about your cruciferous vegetables like cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale. Uh, We're talking about bitters that activate bile flow from your liver because that's like what keeps the blood flow circulating and being cleansed. So things like dandelion greens, Bragg's apple cider vinegar, using lemon, those all upregulate our liver flow, which helps with stagnation and activation. And then phase two, is actually even more important than phase one, and that's the encapsulation and excretion. And so this is where we really are focused more even heavily on the sulfur compounds. So things like glutathione and N-acetylcysteine, they might be kind of big words, but basically foods that also have the sulfur cruciferous compounds like your Brussels, your cruciferous cauliflower, and then also getting enough animal protein in the diet. N-acetylcysteine is really high, for instance, in egg yolks and red meat. And so definitely not going to get a therapeutic biochemical detox with a juice cleanse. (laughs) You do need to eat real food. And I do recommend to do a detox therapeutically with supplements about quarterly, especially if you're on an active body fat loss so that you do kind of change the oil in your tank of your body, if you will. Beautiful. And 
Just so happens that last episode, episode 54 of the podcast, we chatted with Dr. J all about endocrine disruptors and how to oh, like awesome. rid your body of them. And I mean, I'm terrified to, to go to the, <laughs> the grocery store right now. I'm like having to deal with all of this because um, he, he was sure. talking about how grass finished or grass fed, grass finished meat is your best. And even though the meat might be hormone free, the food that these cattle are eating create the hormones. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> so I mean, you can really, really go down the rabbit hole. But I think like the first steps is just cutting out all the extra stuff that you can like drinking out of plastics. And those can make such a huge outcome. But a lot of people think like when they think weight loss, they don't think hormones, and they definitely don't think the perfume I'm spraying on my neck every day yes. is causing me to gain weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I work with a lot of women that work in the cosmetic field, you know, and so that's their job and they're constantly exposed. And so I have them all on my cellular antiox because it's a high glutathione and that helps with respiratory antioxidant distress. And it's like, you guys are just breathing this stuff in. You need to take this. Um, so sometimes it's preventative and sometimes it's proactive, but it's, it's important. Definitely. And let's chat a little bit about stress, anxiety, adrenals, because that's another thing I think that's sort of underneath the water of the iceberg that a lot of people don't really focus on. Yes. And, and that throws hormones off, I think, as probably the most popular reason <laughs> of, of why hormones are off. And so we tend to go more androgenic, just kind of connecting it to hormones and into the adrenal piece. We tend to go more androgenic, meaning that the body is either in fight or flight or rest and digest, right? And so in rest and digest is also where reproduce lives. And so if we're in fight or flight mode, our ovaries are down-regulated and our pituitary turns up the adrenals like on crazy high, high demand. <laughs> and so the pituitary, I guess going back, there's this process of fight or flight called the HPA axis. And so this is the hypothalamus and pituitary, which are both in the brain and then the adrenals, which sit above our kidneys. And um, when we're talking about anxiety and or adrenal fatigue, we're usually looking at an imbalance on the piece of the adrenal, but it could be any of the pieces of that HPA axis. So starting with our hypothalamus, I mean, we get hypothalamic dysfunction from caloric over-restriction, which happens a lot, right? With like the dieting mentality, having a difficult time regulating satiety or what is satisfaction. Hypothalamic dysfunction can be seen in circadian rhythms that are off. So sleep cycles being thrown off. And then our hypothalamus makes our thyroid releasing hormones. So it's already intimately hitting our metabolism. And then the pituitary is like the control center that decides again, whether we're going into the rest and reproduce ovarian sexual hormone production of progesterone estrogen, or whether we're going to upregulate our adrenals. And that's what's going to drive more of the cortisol and the dopamine, the norepinephrine and epinephrine. And so the adrenals with cortisol make that primary stress responsive hormone, which itself tells the body to store fat and itself can be very excitatory. I mean, running on adrenaline is that like chutzpah that we can like pick up a car <laughs> like in an emergency. And, you know, when our cortisol is up, that can drive excessive epinephrine, which is in layman's terms, our adrenaline. And so we can be like kind of what is the, the variance? We can be stressed and wired or we can be stressed and tired. And both of them can be a pathology of adrenal insufficiency or adrenal overactivity. And so we could have low cortisol, but too high of epinephrine. So our adrenaline's really high, but we're flatlined with cortisol, or we could have high of both. And they're going to present differently in the individual. Which is so interesting. And something yeah. that you mentioned, um, the dieting mentality causes issues with our adrenals, our thyroid, which totally um, causes us to store fat more easily. I'm guessing that that in and of itself should make people care. But why are these things so important? Like why, why is the thyroid important? Why do we care about our adrenals? What happens if we continue down on this dieting mentality where our hypothalamus is being affected and all these things are happening? 
Yeah. So like they all play telephone, you know, this is a a synergy. This is a symphony within our body. And so all of these signals are telling different glands, different things. And then when the gland has an imbalanced response that creates this entire kind of vibrational influence throughout the rest of the body. And like I mentioned, you know, cortisol in excess has anti-inflammatory influence. So that's why like in the medical field, you may, you know, hear, of people that take like a prednisone pack or a cortisone pack for an upper respiratory infection or let's say an arthritis flare, or they'll get a cortisone injection on a joint that's causing a lot of pain. But like anything in the body, um, everything goes hyper before it goes hypo, right? So it goes like, like the fly on the wall, like buzz, 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 and then the slam and crash. And in that high state of cortisol, we have no inflammation, but we're totally in a high fat storage. But then in the low state of cortisol, we tend to have chronic inflammatory cascades. And the immune system is regulated by this too. You know, when the inflammation goes on high alert, the immune system starts to go into autoimmune attack because it's not sure. It's like there's so much fire in the body. The immune system is like, I don't know what's causing this drama. I'm just going to target you, thyroid, Hashimoto's, you know? (laughs) And that's like how I imagine it literally happening because of the inflammatory cascades with autoimmune disease, the immune system starts to attack itself. And then in the low inflammatory state of high cortisol, the immune system is down-regulated and then it doesn't detect foreign invaders like cancer. So there's always a synergy of we don't want to overshoot, we don't want to undershoot. And the adrenals can be a piece of that hyper or hypo immune response based on inflammation, really. You're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love listening to you speak because it all makes so much sense. And what I really, really enjoy about you coming on the show today is that you make it very accessible to people. And everything you said, I'm sure everyone understood. And they're like, okay, so... This dieting mentality (laughs) might not be so great for me. There are all these things happening. I'm trying to lose weight. This isn't working. I've been stuck at a plateau for three months. Oh my gosh, the perfume I'm putting on my neck is probably making me fat. What do I do? What are the steps that somebody can take when they've realized they've had this aha moment right now listening to you and they're like, (laughs) what do I do? I'm on this dieting track. I've been eating 1100 calories for the last 10 years. And if I eat 1500 even, or if I boost up my fat or my eggs, or I'm doing these things, I'm going to be eating more and then I'm just going to get bigger. Right. What what do we do? mellow out, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. You know, but uh, easier said than done, I'm sure. But we can't out science nature, you know, is the first thing. And so I think that the whole like biohack movement is cool in theory. Um, but like, you know, just buying blue blocker glasses for your working at 1am, <laughs> just stop working at 1am. <laughs> you know, it's like, get back to the basics of shutting down and trying to find some synergy within your circadian rhythm. And a lot of that comes back to finding this bliss factor and relationship of what resonates within your body, practicing gratitude, finding breath, And I work a lot with my clients with mantras, honestly, because it's like the connection of mind body within nourishment can be so powerful. And so even, you know, I'll often like kind of pitch things like we'll use dichotomous concepts like I take in nourishment, I exhale anxiety, let's say as an example, or if someone's very anxious prone with their weight and metabolism, we'll say I take in thermogenesis or "I'm, I'm breathing in fire, I'm exhaling cool. And it's like that to them is this visual relationship of creating this caloric burn, this furnace within their body. But I really like to find more of a synergy of what is this that we want to embody and what is this that we want to release or a mantra of like, I'm taking the steps to nourish my body. I trust my body is doing its work and I trust my body will get where it needs to be. You know, it's just this kind of like release because I find that we get like this tightly wound rubber band when mental health and stress and anxiety anxiety hinders than our metabolic health. And that can take us so far, Leanne, like, I mean, even to having inflammatory food responses, even into autoimmune disease, right? Because 
even going into the mechanics of digestion, when we're in fight or flight mode or type A stressed mode, we only make like a quarter of the amount of digestive enzymes as we do in a relaxed state, you know, so like we really shouldn't be eating. And so it's finding a way to make peace with nourishment first and foremost and create that space and kind of that altar to nourish the body, I think is a super important piece of the puzzle. More on my interview with Allie Miller after this message from one of our podcast partners. I love being Canadian, the home of the true north strong and free, but gosh, am I jealous that y'all in the U.S. get access to Thrive Market. For all of my pals south of the border, my friends at Thrive Market are offering you 35% off your first box of groceries plus free shipping and a 30-day trial. Imagine spending only $9.95 as opposed to the $20.99 on raw cacao powder or $7.45 on avocado oil mayo as opposed to $13.99 on other online shopping sites. So on top of their everyday wholesale prices, the extra 35% off your first box of groceries plus free shipping is going to transform a regular $100 grocery run into a $50 to $75 Thrive Market order for the same amount of things. Go to thrivemarket.com HP to get your instant 35% off. This offer is available to new Thrive Market customers only. Unsure of the link? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. You mentioned mantras and something I did, especially when I said, you know what? Screw this dieting mentality. I'm not doing this anymore. Every time I ate, I would have a lot of anxiety because I would be eating and not tracking or eating things that I quote unquote shouldn't be eating. Like, like for example, an egg yolk, (laughs) like it was mortifying. It was really challenging. So every time I would eat or I would have anxiety, I would breathe in and out and say, I'm nourishing my body. I'm nourishing my soul. And I would say that like 5 billion times a day. How do you incorporate a mantra practice? Maybe for people that that. were like, how, what do you mean? Mantra? What is that? Hippie voodoo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I just, I, I often explain to people, it's like, building your bicep, you know, so like you would do reps to build a muscle. This is what you're doing. And you're recording over the negative self-talk that sings so loudly. You know, that's like the chatter in the silent space that has been recorded as a tape reel for your entire life. So you have to, you know, maybe not to the level of cognitive behavior where you're like rewinding and reworking sentence structure, but you have to, with intention and purpose, include the positivity until it becomes passive and it will feel super forced and a little bit like I always think of Stuart Smalls from Saturday Night Live like in the early 90s where it was like the I'm good enough I'm smart enough and gosh darn it people like me um, in front of the mirror you know but it's like it does it feels silly I always tell clients to do it out loud though at least five times a day and to try to have a ritual or time association so I think with food works really nice because it's like every time before before you sit down and I can even get my guys that like aren't, you know, as emotionally connected maybe to do it when I explain the biochemical mechanics of like, okay, this is actually going to change how your vagus nerve responds. So, you know, instead of going sympathetic, we will pull you into parasympathetic within five mantras. And this can be seen with breath patterns and we're going to rev your digestive juices so you can absorb more of those amino acids in your grass-fed steak, right? And I think that it makes a huge difference and people start to get outcomes with that application and then it starts to come passive and it's less of a job or a, you know, purposeful it's passive. The The mind osmotically just like is there. And, and that's when you're kind of in cruise control. Amazing. I can totally say that the voodoo stuff works. <laughs> the hippie stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's a good balance. It's always nice to have different tools in your toolkit. And then you can decide, no, that's too crazy for me, or I'm doing that. Or maybe years later, it'd be like, oh, shoot, here I am again, talking about mantras, maybe I should give it a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, you know, Joe, bless his heart, eating a steak salad or whatever, Joe might also need to take a digestive enzyme before his lunch. But you know, it's like, this can be and this is why this can be a great synergy of kind of building up with the deficiencies, supporting the need, but then also working this, that's the third step, or I guess like the most sustainable element of wellness is that mind body connection. And so you have to do both the like proactive preventative, the intervention elements, but then also the like synergy piece of connecting the, the 
the what is of all of this, you know, and, and the intention and purpose behind all of it. Amazing. And so we've chatted about hormones. We've chatted about stress. We talked a little bit about the gut, but I'd love to chat a little bit more about it because it's one of those other things that people, again, they see the tip of the iceberg. They're not paying attention to what could be going on, which is usually either hormones or gut or both, or they're tied together so closely. Why does the gut get imbalanced and how can we fix it? And knowing that it's going to be a slow process. (laughs) (laughs) so okay uh, next episode Um, yeah yeah. no totally (laughs) cold snow's version (laughs) right so i mean there's such awesome research on we're just learning so much more about the role of the microbiome right and our gut bacteria so three to five pounds of each individual's body is made up of bacteria. And so your bowel movement that you're having is 90 plus percent bacteria by mass. And the bacteria in our body produces most of our serotonin, which is our feel-good neurotransmitter, as well as GABA, which is a natural anti-anxiety as well. Um, So there's neurological and mood influences of our gut bacteria. There is, of course, digestive and absorption influences of our gut bacteria. Our gut bacteria can actually fight against cancer cells and upregulate our immune system and fight against autoimmune disease to the point that, you know, we're even looking into things like fecal transplant, of course, you know, taking the stool of a healthy individual and transplanting that into one's body that has significant or severe dysbiosis or bacterial imbalance. And so we can have different levels of dysbiosis. I work at my uh, clinic. I have a, a beat the bloat. It's called beat the bloat ebook, and it goes through a protocol and has a uh, candida quiz which goes through 30 different questions that you can talk about last time you've used antibiotics, if you've had any thrush, any bloating or distension, any other symptoms of dysbiosis. Um, And so it kind of walks you through some of the uh, question and answer elements of where you might be at a starting bank. And then when we're talking about the gut, we always need to remove the irritant. So we want to kind of get in there and plow the field. So a ketogenic diet or a very low carbohydrate diet can be beneficial because it removes a lot of the fermentable compounds. So based on your bacteria state, if you're eating a high fiber, high uh, prebiotic diet, even keto friendly foods like asparagus, artichoke, onions, some of these higher FODMAP or fermentable foods, these can drive dysbiosis or imbalance of bacteria if it's already present in the gut. So when I go through a gut protocol, I actually starve off the bacteria by reducing the prebiotics and bringing down all carbohydrates. And then I use strategic antifungal and antimicrobial compounds for like a six-week process to basically plow the garden beds. And then just as important as the removal is the replenishment. And so we strategically will reseed or kind of pollinate, if you will, good bacteria strains. I definitely recommend as a baseline looking at like a 50-50 blend of lacto and bifido bacteria as a baseline before getting into all of these big synergy probiotic supplements that are out there. Um, The ones that use like the soil-based organisms and have 11 plus strains. Starting with a 50-50 blend tends to be a really good step when you're dealing with gut rehab or dysbiosis because it helps to create at least the foundational strains that are the most well-researched. And then you can use your ferments and your uh, dietary probiotics to get more of the multi-focus. So, you know, your kefir and your krauts and your miso and those types of foods, uh, gut shot and other ferments. And that's going to help to further kind of pollinate And then you want to bring in those prebiotic fibers to keep the bacteria viable and living. But that's once you've reset. Mm -hmm. Gut shots are the best. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't live without them. If people don't know what that is, correct me if I'm wrong, but the gut shot is just the sauerkraut juice, right? That's what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's so good. Farmhouse Culture started creating them, I would say maybe like a year, a year and a half ago, Uh because Uh they were hearing that their customers were saving the sauerkraut juice. Yeah. in their jars and they were like well, let's just make a product so now you can just go to the store and get sauerkraut juice and when I'm traveling even on book tours and signings and just everything I always go to Whole Foods and grab a jar and I'm drinking it constantly it's so good like it just makes my belly feel so good 
I love the beet, the beet ginger one. Me too. Well, and, it's, and it's interesting if you don't respond well to probiotic foods. So like if any listeners are like, oh my gosh, I tried that and I gained like three inches of bloat or I had a bowel response, that is a cardinal sign of dysbiosis. So like if you have a bad army set up in your tank and you throw like a really potent good troop in there, you're going to have a battle. <laughs> so when if you don't respond well to probiotic foods, that's definitely like a turn point way to know that you need to do a bacterial cleanse. That's so true because maybe I would say eight years ago, my gut was so bad. I couldn't even do gelatin because it would hurt so badly. Uh (laughs) So it's taken me a very long time to get here. I couldn't do sauerkraut or real pickles or like none of that. But now it's totally fine. So it just takes time. The patience. Yes, yes. (laughs) And what about for candida? There's a lot of questions about Candida and keto, am I right in assuming that um, ketones, if too elevated, can feed off candida just like too much sugar can? So there was a study that looked at that. However, with with that being said, uh, so A, just like, you know, I I know you've spoke to to listeners, you want to be at a therapeutic nutritional state of ketosis. So excess of anything is not a good thing, right? And and so a ketogenic diet doesn't mean max out your ketone production, which is also why I'm not a huge fan of using exogenous ketones when you are therapeutically using food as medicine. And so, yes, an excess abundance of ketones can feed candy. But a lot of the foods in a ketogenic diet, like extra virgin coconut oil, which most people are doing pretty ad lib, (laughs) pretty high amounts of, have monolaurin and lauric acid, really potent antifungal and antimicrobial compounds and caprylic acid. So, you know, I actually use caprylic acid capsules therapeutically with many people in a cleanse. And um, it's one of the strongest, it was compared in a research study to diflucan, you know, an antifungal medication. And so it's like, if you're eating a ketogenic diet by just whole foods, and you're not maxing out to like produce as many ketone bodies as you can get your body to make. I see no concern. And, and actually, like I said, I start my patients on a 60 gram um, restriction. So not even fully ketogenic and then see how they feel ketogenic just to bring down the glycemic index and to starve off the glucose and sugar, which is what the candidiasis is really thriving on. So yeast loves sugar first and foremost, but it's tricky just like any bacteria or resistant compound and it will find alternative fuels. So you want to hit it multifactorial. You also want to hit it with other antifungals like oil of oregano. You know, you also want to be strategic with how you're implementing the diet timing. And so there's so many factors to get best outcomes, but I am not concerned about a ketogenic diet causing or maintaining candida overgrowth. Amazing. And you said 60 grams. Is that 60 grams of total carbs? I missed that part. Yeah. So when I'm, and that's just starting with like Joe Schmo off the street who might be eating standard American diet. So I start them at 60 grams of carb restriction, which is usually pretty strict. And then we kind of tip into ketosis during the cleanse. Some people get through the cleanse and then they play keto post. Yeah. Love it. Oh my gosh. I just learned so much (laughs) about all the things. Where can people find you? So my website is AllieMillerRD.com. So it's A-L-I-M-I-L-L-E-R-R-D.com. And uh, we have all sorts of fun stuff on there. I have a blog. I have a section called Books and Programs. So I have uh, a detox uh, ebook. I have a cancer ebook and the Beat the Bloat Candida Dysbiosis ebook. And then I have an actual printed cookbook called Naturally Nourished under there as well. Amazing. And we'll include all of those links in the show notes, which you guys can find at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E55. And we add the transcript to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. And Allie, thanks again for coming on the show. It was great hanging out with you again. Thanks for having me, Leanne. It's my pleasure. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.